Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Whoever thought God would test us in this way, huh? (laughs) Some other people are being tested in other ways, but we're being tested in our commitment to come before him and worship him and continue to assemble in his name and allow him access to his people. You know, church going isn't just a habit and it's not just something to do to get checked off for the day or, you know, an optional thing. If you can make it cool, if you can't, you know what I'm saying. But it is a command of God that he wants his people gathered together so we can hear what he has to say. That's his pattern. Amen. That's his pattern. And so that's his law. And so we want it's been since the days of Moses. He was, Moses was the first pastor. Amen. You know, you hear people bragging about something. He got a mega church, honey. Moses had him beat three million in attendance and he didn't have to go out and send out a mailing list or nothing. But God's instruction to Moses was gather, you gather the people together and I will speak to them. Amen. So that they can hear my word. And so that's what we do. We gather together so that uh, God can speak to us corporately, speak to everybody the same thing at the same time. Amen. Things that are good for our lives personally. Uh, if you think that that means that, uh, you know, some people say, well, a guy can talk to me, uh, can, but in, a, in an assembly, he will. He's promised to do it. Amen. So, you know, don't, don't ever think yourself more highly. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is his, this is his, uh, I would say this is his soft approach is the corporate approach. You know, if you gotta come, if he gotta come down here and just jack you up, now that's doable too. But he knows the soft approach works best. That's why he does it this way. Amen. <laughs> I remember uh, we were, uh, the first church we were at, that was where I met Nola, met uh, Avis, and uh, some more people that were very early in the ministry. <laughs> I remember one lady that was um, a part of the church. We'd had some women's conferences, and and she was just real frank and real blunt. And she said, you know, people come up to me after service and say, uh, Pastor was saying so-and-so and so-and-so. Was he talking to you? She said, yeah, he was talking to me. I'm here. That's why I'm here for him to talk to me. Amen. She said, it was God talking to me. So I could straighten up and live right. You know, it's just so funny. If you went up to her and tried to gossip, you were in the wrong you got the, yeah, you got the wrong ticket that you took the wrong bus that day, but she, <laughs> but I'll never forget that. And I, I said, well, God, that is why we're here so that we can get spoken to. We can get understanding. We can get delivered, get set free, built up, edified. You get the whole, uh, you get the beautification treatment when you come to the house of the Lord. Amen. I was listening, uh, I took, uh, Coco to the, uh, groomer, you know, they have this little promo while they keep you waiting two hours to talk to us. Now they don't, it's not that long, but you know how it is when it takes a long time, they want to keep you entertained. And so I came in on the middle of it and they said, take a relaxing spa treatment. We have a massage. I said, have I got the right number? I said, is that for the dog? I sound like the I want. You know what I'm saying? I said, cancel her, put me in there. 
my goodness, they got everything for, you know, but that's what we get when we come here. We get the spa treatment. Amen. Somebody asks you if you want to go to a spa or call, you know, I got to, it costs $100. Well, you know, this pretty much is free. It's an offering. You know what I'm saying? But hey, you know, God will sow that into us in advance of our doing anything toward him so it's a good thing folks good thing so but you know there's some testing going on out there Uh, some people don't want to open their churches anymore they think they've heard from god to just fold up some of them probably have you know but for most of us it's a test to see if we'll just continue if god told you to to begin a work for him he didn't change his mind about that in the middle of somewhere and so sometimes it is him weeding out and clearing out and getting rid of some people who are mistakenly trying to do a work for him and struggling. But, you know, there are some places where God wants us to keep going and go forward and advance us and give us the next level. So I believe that's who we are. We are the people that are proving ourselves faithful, you know, just by coming, listening, doing everything you usually do. Don't let what's going on in the world deter you from being obedient to what God's called you to do. God's work is always important. It's always needed. It's always uh, uh, a, a good thing, a blessing to all. You know, he wants to bless everybody. So we just let God be God. You know, we're a little perplexed in a way. We ain't sure what's going to happen next or what's going to. But apparently that's where he wants us. Amen. <laughs> Waiting on him, depending on him. Don't make no big plans. You know, you can go ahead and live your life, but you know what I'm saying. It's all that other stuff, you know, some things we must wait on God to get an understanding of them. So anyway, so yesterday we began talking about unbelief blocks the door. Faith opens it. Amen. <clears throat> so we talked about Unbelief being what God refers to as an evil heart because it's the uncircumcised heart. It's the heart without the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a heart without faith. And so um, God has given us a remedy for that, and that is to be born again. So if you're born again, you have a changed heart. You just have to learn how to yield to it. And walk in that and not walk in the flesh. This is a choice for the believer. Amen. For the unbeliever, they have no choice. So we are without excuse, is the Apostle Paul. Oh man, you are without excuse. Amen. So uh, this is something that's doable. It's something that God has ordained for us. And it's the best life for us is the life of faith. So we don't want to abide in unbelief. Amen. Because we learned yesterday that there is a place that God has prepared for us and he refers to it as a place of rest. Amen. So if you'll turn to the book of Hebrews, we were finishing uh, chapter three. And I'll go over a little bit of that that we uh, went into and, and in in chapter 3 verse 19 it says so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief enter into what and he talks about the rest of god amen the rest of god the sabbath of god the holiness of god so really rest in and holiness are synonymous amen 
because by faith, you take your position in God's kingdom. Amen. So faith equals righteousness, and that's holiness. Amen. And so here we see the writer is saying that there is a place that God has prepared for his people down here on earth, but it's a spiritual place. And it's a place of resting from our works. And it gives the example of God during the creation on for six days, God worked. He made man on the sixth day. And on the seventh day, he rested from his labors. And the rest of God is continued from that day forward. So God is resting. His work is accomplished. And so he begins now to want to manifest his work to all of creation. All of create, create, all of creation, all of humanity needs to see the finished product of God's work. And of course, the crowning finished product is man's redemption from the works of darkness. Amen. So the, 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 I guess you could say the purpose of God uh, allowing us to come into rest with him is so that we could begin, he can begin revealing his work to us. Amen. He's still revealing his work to us. That's why what we receive from God, we receive by revelation. It's an unveiling of truth to us, removing blinders of darkness. But we have to enter into that door of revelation by faith. You've got to believe God first. You can't be, well, God, if you this, prove it. If you this, no, that's, there's no faith there. And you don't dare God to do something because you don't want him to respond. Not to a dare. You understand what I'm saying? So you want him to respond in, in love and in faith. So in talking about that word rest, it, it says, uh, they in verse 18 and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest but them that believe not so there is a rest for the people of god there is a place where god wants to wants us to cease from our own labors labor man's labor is full of toil and it's full of um uh, uh um well it's hard it's hard on the human soul all of it. Um, when when God pronounced the curse on man uh, in Genesis, everything that that he listed under the curse made life difficult. That's what I want to say. So labor makes life difficult. If you labor to enter into a rest in God, then you pick up the light burden and the easy yoke that is Jesus. Amen. So when you are born again, he, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he will begin to minister to you, to teach you, to speak to you. And if you believe what he's saying, say for instance, you read a scripture by his stripes, you were healed. If you embrace that in faith and believe it and say, God, I received that. I received my healing. I believe that your word is true then the Holy Spirit allows you to come into the rest of believing. 
See, there is a rest of believing that the enemy really, really wants to disturb. Amen. That's why God also gives you authority to speak to disturbances against your rest. When Mark eleven twenty three says that if you speak to this mountain and command it to be, re- and don't doubt in your heart, the righteous do not doubt in their heart. See, you can tell when righteousness is upon you and you've yielded to the fruit of righteousness inside of you because the doubt in the heart goes away. You feel so good. You feel like you can go up there and, and yank the devil out of wherever he is and cast him out forever. Amen? You do. And nothing, a thought will come to your head to try and disturb it and you just say, really? <laughs> Seriously? Take that next door. You know, don't, don't leave that piece of mail up in here. I don't receive it. Amen. And so as long as we stand in that place of righteousness and dwell in the fruit of the spirit, you quench all the fiery darts. You repel all the, the bad news. You overcome everything that's trying to get you down. Amen. And so that rest in God is so, so very important. Amen. What does rest mean? It really means to be peaceful and quiet. So your spirit, your whole being is, is quiet. Amen. Everything about you is quiet. There's a psalm that says, I have stilled and quieted my soul. Amen. And what that is, is they have, by faith, entered into the rest of God. I, I picked up God's word, and I believe that word, and I embrace that word, and I'm meditating on that word, and that steals and quiets my soul. Amen. It quiets my, okay, you girls be, not be stay still back there, okay? Especially you, sweetie, you're a big girl now. Amen. Okay, thank you. The little ones are restless because they little. I'd get restless too if I was that size. <laughs> but as big girls, we, we get peaceful now. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. So anyway, when, when we enter into the rest of God, we are undisturbed. Amen. Undisturbed. And so the enemy likes to disturb us with thoughts of doubt. Thoughts of maybe this isn't, what about, you know, all those questionings are doubt. Now, sometimes to us, it sounds reasonable because that comes in our voice. It comes from your head that you listen to quite a bit, and that's, you should do that. But there are some things that will come into your mind that will disturb your rest. And the way you can know if it's God or if it's the enemy, it will dis- the enemy always wants to disturb your rest because he knows if he pulls you out of the rest of God, he pulls your faith out with you and he puts you into conflict with God's word. Well, maybe God didn't say it. And if he did say it, maybe this is the thing. Maybe it's not for now. It's for. Now, see, that's a tip off. That your faith has been disturbed. See, he disturbs your peace to get at your faith. So you, if once your peace is disturbed, your faith, he's open game to take your faith away from you. So he'll say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not for now. Well, faith is now. See, faith 
comes into you to assure you in the now that this belongs to you. It doesn't matter if you see it or not. It still belongs to you. Amen? Because you've received it by faith. It's yours. What the enemy wants to do is get you to let go of it so that you can cast doubt on God. He likes to separate us from God's love. Amen. He wants to separate us from peace with God. He wants to disturb us and get us out of the rest of God. Amen. Because when we rest, when we enter into God's rest, that means that there's nothing to do but believe. You got me? So once the rest of God, once you enter into that, then you're assured that you you believe it, you've received it, and it's okay, it's coming. Amen? You've, you've already received it, and it's okay, and it's coming. Amen? And so... Once you, the, the, the natural aspect of it is coming. That's what we're, when we receive from God, there are two aspects. There's a spiritual and natural aspect. You've received the biggest part of it is the spiritual. That's the hard part to get. Gotta be saved. Gotta meditate on the word. Gotta, this is the labor that we do to enter into the rest of God. What labor do we do to enter into his rest? The Bible says here, labor, therefore let us labor uh, uh, to enter into the rest of God. I'm trying to see where I can say, we have entered into the rest. I'm trying to see where that scripture is. For which one, honey? Okay, so we'll find it in a minute, all right? Yeah. Eleven. Okay. It says, let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. So what labor do we do to enter into the rest of God? Well, your little routine you do. You read the word. You meditate on the word. You pray. You, you get counsel. You come to church. You listen to teachings. You get understanding. You know, wherever God leads you to build up that faith so that you can labor, that's the labor we do to enter into God's rest. And once you believe you've received it, then you can relax and you can rest. Amen. And and walk with God. That doesn't mean, okay, I got that and I'm going to go run off in the flesh and do whatever I want to do. Adam didn't do that. There was no flesh for him to run into. So when God entered into the rest with Adam, Adam stayed with God. He stayed in that place of resting with God. Amen. Until the devil came and disturbed the rest. So he's always going to come and try and disturb our rest. So you've got to stay armed with the word of God to shoot at him. So you can maintain your peace with God and maintain your rest with God. See, walking with God is the best life to live. Because you're encouraged all the time. You don't have to get nervous and anxious and make a phone call and ask somebody. To, you don't have to get on Facebook and ask nobody to pray for you. You don't have to go anywhere and try to get on somebody's prayer line. 
somebody trying to get on your prayer line with the truth we're told. My goodness. You know, sometimes you gotta sit back and think about what you have. You're not sitting on watching Christian TV as your only opportunity to hear from God. You might get a, a hit one day and you might not. You might call somebody and, and before you know it, you're on 15 different mailing lists. All this stuff start coming to your house and your mailbox. The minute you get on somebody's list, they can sell your name to somebody else. Oh, come on. Grow up, y'all. This, this is how the game is played. Oh, I know. They love you and call you partner and they're praying for you and all that stuff. But they making money off your name, address, and phone number. You understand me? Learn how to be led by God. Stay in his rest. If your rest gets disturbed, get back in the word. Go back to that place that got you into the rest. (laughs) Somehow you stepped out again. Amen. So just go back to the place where you stepped into the rest of God and let that rest continue to abide upon you. So rest really means to have peace, quiet, and be undisturbed. Zechariah 3.17 says that we rest in his love. So your relationship with God is one of rest. Your understanding of God gives you rest. Your knowledge of the character of God will give you rest. Amen? Well, God loves me. And don't let the devil come up and say, but anything. Huh? Because that's always a tactic of his. Once you make a statement, he's going to come and rebut it anyway. Amen? He's He's the great arguer. He'll always call call you an exception. For some reason, everybody else can be loved by God, but you can't. Something wrong with you. Amen. And so we have to learn how to rest in his word. Let his word have the final word. These little thoughts that keep coming to us, but what about this and what what about it, devil? Huh? It won't stop God from loving me. None of these things move me. You can't move me. One thing I know, he loves me. Amen. <laughs> Nobody else might, but he does. Amen. <laughs> so once you get that settled, you, you, you can live on that for the rest of your life. You can be totally immovable in God's rest. Amen. It's from that place of rest then that we begin to declare our lives. You can't declare anything in unbelief, in religion, in trying to prove to the saints that you all that, because you ain't, and we all know it, and that ain't why they coming to you to begin with. <laughs> Put your little defenses away. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Prove it to yourself first. Go get in the Word somewhere, you know? Keep yourself caught up on who you are. Wouldn't have to be arguing and proving everything to everybody all the time. So the fact that he loves us and you meditate on that and you get enough understanding of what that really means and that will put you in a rest. Amen. Many times, uh, and see, what the enemy does, he likes to get us, tempt us to sin so then we can doubt God's love. 
Because when you don't feel good about yourself, you don't think anybody else feels good about you. So you begin to doubt the love of God because you made a mistake, you keep doing this, you keep doing that. And, and the longer you put off repentance, the further you get away from God. You should repent quickly just so you can stay close to him. Amen? Well, some people like it, I don't know. You know, I mean, seriously. You understand that from dealing with people. Somebody that you've been a friend to and y'all fall out about something, you keep thinking, I should say something. I should say something. I should. And the longer you do that, say that without moving on it, the harder it's going to get for you to get reconciliation. Amen? That's why it's best to do these things quickly. Don't let condemnation build up in your mind where you think the relationship is, well, we can't get, we, I heard some preacher talk about he and his wife had irreconcilable differences. I say, you have a ministry of reconciliation to the world. Jesus Christ, the reconciler, lives in you. Won't you let him run your life? Now, people don't understand, see, they, they try to put you in condemnation. No, you are already in condemnation, brother. How you going to preach reconciliation to the world and you can't even get along with your wife because of irreconcilable differences? That ain't even a, a spiritual term. There's no irreconcilable differences in God's kingdom. Everything gets resolved at the foot of the cross. Are you kidding me? If the blood can wash your little nasty sin away, it can wash your hatred and, and animosity and anger away at somebody else. Get real. People walk around in a snit and a tight and all that kind of stuff. Grow up. We're all human. You know, you the minute you think you all that, you'll turn around and make the biggest mistake you ever want to make. God will see to it that he removes the hedge of protection. So let me let me let her see who she really is down here. Huh? Waste a lot of time with petty nonsense. You know. People, some people don't want to grow up. Leave them alone. You go get grown. Amen. You go get grown. Praise the Lord. See, when you know he loves you, you can get up from any 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 way you stumble, you know you can get up and get cleansed and, and have fellowship with him again. There's nothing off limits. You know, it's the church that's the fault finder. Amen. People and their petty ideas and their jealousies and all that kind of stuff. Amen. The Pharisees asked Jesus, by whose authority? Jesus said, I ain't telling you. <laughs> Messed their heads totally up. You know why he said it? Because for people like that, there's no right answer to give them. You don't have to answer the devil about, you know, people would ask me all the time, who's your covering? It's like, who told you you could do this? Who told you you could have a ministry? Who told you you could be a, who told you you could, yes, it's, you know, it's where it comes from, right from the pit of hell. Huh? 
I said, listen, that card has been played and it's been trumped over already. Amen. Pharisees tried to play that with my boss. That's who my covering is. Religious people hate that when you say Jesus is your covering. They get very confused. But he is. He called you. He'll take care of you. You don't need nobody with skin on to tell you to go do what God told you to do. You know, I mean, outside for assigned spiritual authority, you have pastors, you know, to, to help you. Amen. And if they're any good, they should be releasing you to go pray for the sick. Tell people about Christ. That's that's what in the Bible says we're supposed to do. Fulfill the Great Commission. Problem is, we got a lot of people sitting up doing nothing. The leadership don't teach them to do nothing. They're not empowered to do nothing, so they sit here and pick at each other. Nonsense. When you know God loves you, that that ends every conversation to the contrary. Any conversation about you being no good and you not having this and you not being able to do that, that ends all conversations. Because you know when he loves you, you know you got a fighting chance. You know, even if if you do, and we all have them, faults and flaws, I don't know anybody who doesn't have them. The people who are picking and pointing them out have more than anybody. They do. At least I don't have a beam in my eye as long as I'm not picking at you. You got my problems and a beam in your eye on top of it. Go take care of your beam. Huh? Your plank or whatever translation you got. Amen. (laughs) No, when you're loved, that makes, you know, when I first got married, I thought I was just the most, I was liking Somebody really loves me. You know, you just live in that stunning world of, well, the Bible says marriage is honorable. Now, I wasn't just, I wasn't Snow White. Ain't nobody playing like that stuff, but there's an honor and a dignity that comes on your life that won't come on it any other way. You know what I'm saying? And then you start living with the brother and, you know, it's, Thrill is gone. Huh? (laughs) But that's cool too, cause that's another phase of the relationship. You know what I'm saying? But, but that understanding that you have been chosen as the person they want to spend the rest of their life with, that should bring some kind of dignity in. You know, come on now. And you love them. Amen. So it's a reciprocal thing. Never lose that, that sense of, of, of honor that, that comes when you're born again. When you know God loves you and your sins are washed and you go scot free of all the crazy stuff you've ever done and all the mean stuff and all the bad stuff and all of that. You go free of it. So, so there should come a rest to you in that. Now, if, if your marriage didn't give you that kind of sense of honor and rest, pray for it to come to you. You know, it's never too late. Cause you missed something. See, if you, if you, 
If you rest in the honor, then the striving stops. You don't strive with, with that person anymore. Because there's an honor that's been brought to you because that person has chosen you and singled you out as the one person they're devoted to, never to look for anybody else again. And you make the same commitment, you understand? And and start to rest in that. It's a God-ordained rest for you so you can build a family. How can you build a family and, and buy property together and all this kind of stuff and you don't know where you stand with somebody? It's the craziest thing I see. You see these people shacked up together and buying this together and buying that together and then get mad and throw somebody out and you don't know who owns what. Got to call the police to get car keys. Thank you. You understand what I'm saying? There's no rest there. There's no dignity. There's no honor there. My goodness. Don't get involved with somebody that ain't thinking about marriage. Well, I ain't sure if I want to see you. Anytime you get somebody that ain't sure, just keep moving. Because they want to put you in a tryout situation. Nobody trying nothing out up here. I know who I am. I need you to help me know nothing about myself. I get mine from God, from the source. So the rest of God is very important for all of humanity. Even the land had rest every seven years. You just couldn't work the land to death. Amen. People that that didn't know that found out their crops were depleted. The seventh year of, of crops, the year that was supposed to lay fallow, the ground is supposed to absorb nourishment during that seventh year so that the next crop, and so what, what, what about the cell? Well, your God provides enough for you so you can lay off a year. You understand what I'm saying? So he, he ordains these things and he provides for them. If you'll take him by faith and, and, and believe him. There was rest promised to Israel. Deuteronomy 12. Turn there. I'll read that one. When they came into this land, the land that God had promised them, not something they got on their own. Many times we get in a situation that's, that's not, um, you know, peaceful. It's because it's something we're trying to make it up and trying to make it work ourselves. So Deuteronomy 12, 9, it says, for you, for you as yet are not come to the rest, to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God gives you. So your rest and inheritance are the same thing. What we have in God is an inheritance. You're not working for this. You're not trying to get him to do something for you that he hasn't already done. Amen. He's already given us, the Bible says, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So there's nothing lacking. We just have to believe that it's given to us. But it's amazing how the enemy can can convince us that we still got to do something else. We still got to. Oh, you didn't do that. Oh, I did that, but you didn't do it enough. See what I'm saying? 
So he's always got something to add in there to keep you jacked up and disturbed so you don't enter. Once you find that place of rest and peace in God, where the enemy can't push you around, he can't convince you that it's it's not real what you have, you know. I, I remember somebody speaking something to me, um, and and they were saying that, I know in my situation I'm supposed to be upset and and nervous and worried, but I don't have any of that. I said, praise God. I said, he's, you've entered it. And they say, you know, I almost, I know what you're saying, but I almost feel a little guilty. I said, that's, that's carnal hangover. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can have a, 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 I guess you could say a hate hangover or, <laughs> I don't know. Love hangover. I don't, it ain't love hangover, but you know what I'm saying. You, you can have like remnants of how you used to feel in your life and now faith has come in you know god's finally got your attention got you to focus and you've entered into that rest and you feel a little strange because it's like well where's my favorite couch i mean it it used to be my favorite couch but you know i'm pretty good right here where i am but i used to be comfortable over there but i'm comfortable over here now and sometimes, sometimes your brain don't know how. See, that's just your carnal mind trying to make sense of spiritual things, which he will never do. So your carnal mind is always going to be a little disturbed at what God is doing in your life. It's like you used to worry about stuff like, how come you ain't worried? Well, how come you ain't thinking about this? You sure God going to do that? You really sure? You You understand what I'm saying? Any anything to disturb you and get you out of that rest of God. Why? Because it's powerful. That's the most powerful righteousness. Rest is holiness. The Bible says God rested on the seventh day and declared it holy. When you're in the rest of God, you are declared holy. You are declared righteous. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that can come and defile you or disturb you. So the only thing that the enemy can do is see you over in there and try to harass you and coax you out. Come on out here and worry with me like you used to. Hey, baby, want to worry a little bit with me? Oh, huh? Hey, mama, you looking good over there resting. Why don't you come on over here and worry with me a little bit? Huh? No, just stay in the rest of God. Let the devil feel bad. Let him stay over there and play in the mud by himself. Amen. Don't let him move you. Because that position is worth everything. Jesus prayed, died, shed his blood, and was beaten to a pulp so that you could rest. So that you didn't have to. Amen. When God created the human soul, it was not created for worry and for stress and for toil or fear, or anything like that. Any any of the forces of darkness, your mind is not made to handle that stuff. You see people think about stuff too much, they wind up in the nut house. You can't get a thought, you can't get a right thought through your brain after a while. But the devil will consume you. He wants to take the whole, he don't want you worried a little bit. He don't want you nothing a little bit. He wants the whole territory. 
wants to dis- disqualify you in your own mind, get you to stop doing what you're doing toward God. Amen. Many times people quit right before they're ready to enter into the next level of faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are many doors that God opens. And the devil, and the Bible says there are adversaries at the door. Amen? What are the adversaries? Doubt? Fear? Criticism? Accusation? The minute God gets ready to do something with you, then the uh, accusers show up. Amen? Why? To keep you from entering in. Keep you disturbed so you don't have the rest of God. So God ordained that the land or the promise that he gives us will cause us to rest. So when you enter into, by his stripes I'm healed, you enter into his rest when you believe that. Amen? And everything that God promises, once you have engaged your faith in it, and you are determined to believe that you've received it, not you're going to get it, you've received it. Anybody can receive by faith. Amen. You should have a faith pocketbook full of things that you believe you've received from God already. Amen. And just keep thanking him. God, I thank you for my faith pocketbook. Thank you for everything in my faith pocketbook. Amen. And and just believe that God is doing those things for us. Amen. And he is. Jesus promised rest to our souls in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Amen. It said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are. Let me go to that in Matthew. <clears throat> See, this is the problem with humanity. Money ain't your problem. Amen. Being single ain't your problem. Being married ain't your problem. Amen. The devil will point to anything. If he wants to separate you from something, he'll point to anything that you possess and that you enjoy and tell you that's your problem. (laughs) It's amazing how it works, too. He says in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, first of all, you got to identify that that's you. You understand what I'm saying? You know, people say, like, I don't know, ain't nothing wrong. I see, everything is a, you got to defend yourself about everything. Amen. Let your little lawyer retire. And open your heart to receive what God has to say to you. And learn how to identify with things. Yeah, God, there's a lot of things in my life that, that are issues for me, you know, some things on my to-do list, some hurdles I have to, to climb over. Yeah, everybody's got plans. And, and not being able to see the end result of your plan yet can cause you to be concerned about it or, or heavy laden about it. Amen? And so nobody's just totally carefree all the time. Things come up. And if you say you are, just wait till the devil hears you say that. Amen. He'll come for your words too. And so he says, and and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn. So part of 
the labor to enter into our rest is learning about Jesus. Taking his yoke upon, in other words, come to him and confess and receive him. Amen. Just receive him, repent and receive him. And he will give you rest. He'll show you that he's real. He show you that he wants your life to be carefree. If anybody can remember back when they were first saved, there was like that, that great, like the marriage, a great honeymoon where you felt a new honor and a new dignity come into your life. You know, you'd look at some things that you, you were doing. You say, Oh, I can't do this anymore. God, I know God doesn't like this. You understand what I'm saying? You were very careful to walk with him and to connect with him. Well, that's all he's talking about here. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. A yoke is something that causes you to walk in agreement and walk step by step, the same step with that person. You keep up with them. Amen. Jesus said, Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Amen. So he's on the, the road where you're not selfish. He's on the road of love. Amen. Where you walk in love. That's the road he's on. He's always there. You walk out of love. Guess what? You get back in love and he's back there again. You'll find him right there on the same road where you walked away from him from. Been there all along. So he says, learn of me, take my yoke, learn of me. Every day should be learning of God. This ain't like uh, public educate public school. Huh? They ain't even teaching nothing. They've gotten so bad now, they've just gone off on a tangent of not really teaching anything. You know, all this You know, all that they want to get all into sex education. You know, parents, you need to take your kids out of that stuff. You find out they tell it, teaching your kids some squirrely stuff and they're young children. I don't care if they're 30 years old and still in high school. You don't teach my son about nothing to do with sex. That's my job. And teach them the truth. You don't need them for that. And they can't read. Are you kidding me? Everybody reading at the second grade level, which really second graders don't read. Huh? I used to with little Rachel when she was like, you know, before she got in school, she'd have a little book there and just be a talking. I said, read me some girl. And she just a be a, ain't none of that on that page, but she just a read. Well, that's the way the average high school graduate is now. You know, and if if they misspell and texting is not a substitute for education. Because you text them mistakes on there and they get stuck in there. You'll never get corrected if you're trying to learn from a text message. Huh? You got your wrong plurals and all that kind of stuff. It's going to stay in there. Amen. It'll pop up before you even write it. So here's stupid. You wrote this the last time. Let's be stupid one more time. Okay. Let's look crazy one more time. Somebody's getting over on somebody. 
you know, this kids being at home now was a good thing. It's a revelation for their parents to understand just why Johnny can't read because his teacher ain't teaching him. And teachers don't even want to go back to the classroom. I said, good, let them stay right where they are. Send me the paycheck. And don't think it's not coming. There's too many people that's on to this for it to continue. So Jesus said, take my yoke upon, learn about me. That's all. He just wants to talk to you, teach you what his word says, what he has in store for you, the life he wants you. He wants to have relationship with you. But it can't be buddy, buddy, pal, pal. It's got to be you're the student, he's the teacher. He said, learn of me. Amen. And so learn to sit at his feet and absorb what he's trying to tell you. First thing he's going to tell you is how much he loves you. That gets proven to you right off the bat, day one. He gave his life for you. He took your sin. He he loved you when you didn't even know how to love yourself. You weren't lovable. Amen. And so he loved us all then. So he's bringing us up now to a higher place. Amen. You know, when I was married, my husband taught me a lot of things. And and he would do it in a loving way. You know, baby, you know, why don't you do it like this? Why don't you, you know, whatever, whatever. And if I caught an attitude, you know, I just <laughs> got stupid sometimes. You know how you get on the defense. You can't tell me, you know what I'm saying. But I learned he had my best interests at heart. Amen? At least he was trying. When they quit trying, then you're in trouble. So we're to yoke ourselves with Jesus by his spirit. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit begin to feed your spirit and your mind the word of God the plan of God, the understanding of God, all those things will come to you in this place of rest. You've got to rest. If he doesn't, if you don't have your his rest, it'll all sound foreign to you. So he's not going to tell you a whole lot in that place. He's not going to tell you if you're frantic and disturbed. and No, unless you want to be pimp slapped real quick. And, you know, that's the only way you can get to quiet, to disturb people. You know what I'm saying? A throw a pan of cold water. Shut up! He ain't gonna go there, okay? How's your last boyfriend? He ain't no boyfriend. He your husband. Betrothed. Amen? He's teaching you some things. He's making us marriage worthy. He's working with us before the marriage supper gets here. We're, we're engaged to him, betrothed to him, promised to him. No man in his right mind is going to do that for any woman. You got to come proper for these brothers to want to put a ring on it. You understand me? They ain't going to invest a whole lot of nothing in you. They're looking for what you got. And what you bring it to the table? Huh? Jesus is the only one. 
See, when you learn about him, you'll learn how much he invests in us while we are yet sinners. We're his enemies. To, to, to many people before they're saved, Jesus Christ is a cuss word. Amen? Gave his life for us. If that ain't love, I don't know what is. That should make you want to do what he commands you to do. Follow him. Give everything up. Amen. Quit trying to make your life work anyway. It ain't working. Amen. It's not working. Never going to work under those circumstances. So. What do we do? Now we labor in to enter into this rest. Amen. So God never ordained labor and toil for us. He ordained works of faith. So the work that we do once we believe are works that are inspired by our faith or works that are commanded by our faith. Your faith will tell you to do many things that don't seem to make sense in the natural. Amen. So when you think about it, your faith is really telling you how to bring the substance or the reality of what you desire from the spiritual realm over into the natural realm. So your faith is not going to make sense by the natural but the results will be there at some point. See what I'm saying? So your faith may tell you to say that you're healed and your body is riddled with symptoms. Amen? So if you can say that you're healed while your body is riddled with symptoms, that does not look right to anybody who's looking at you in the natural. Amen? And so you're going to have to make up your mind. You're going to stay with it because that's what your faith is telling you to do. Your faith is dictating that you go ahead and speak those things and call those things that be not as though they are. And make sure that you're discreet in doing it. Remember when Jesus would tell some people, don't tell anybody what I did for you. Then he tells some people, I want you to go back to your family and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Amen. And so you have to make up your mind what voice you're going to obey. So that's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me speak these things to your heart. You read them in the Bible and embrace them as truth. And then I will will make them real to you. And and at the certain time where you need to express this, I will move you to say those things. Amen. See, there are many times we get caught up in fear, condemnation. It's taken too long, all of this. And then we'll start saying, well, I better get to confessing the word, you know. And it comes out of just nowhere. It's not by unction. There's not much faith there. You know, it's good to say it anyway, but there's more to this, you know, um, life of faith and, and works of faith that God intends for us to come to out of that place of rest. You can't let condemnation disturb you and then go confessing the word. I'm going to say it again. 
You cannot let condemnation disturb you and then go to confessing the word. You're not doing it out of rest. So it's not God ordained at that point. See, if you've been sitting there all day, not reading your word, not thinking about it, the Holy Spirit has probably been telling you, uh, open your Bible, uh, get in your word, get in your word first before you get started doing everything else. Cause you know, you get wild. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, he's trying to maintain your rest and maintain your peace. And see, we disturb our own peace with disobedience. Because you're disobeying that unction. The only reason he's telling you to get up and read your word is because you already promised him you was going to do it. It's like, you know, seriously, if you think about the Holy Spirit, it's a good thing he is who he is because he can live with everybody. Amen. And not move out, divorce us. <laughs> or go someplace else. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a good thing to learn how. And, and so really, so okay, you sit there and you don't read your word all day and then all of a sudden you want to get, get in there real fast. Then you, nothing makes sense to you. Then you keep looking at the watch because you know you got to do so many minutes and so much. You 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 promised yourself you was gonna do all this. Amen, amen. And nothing. Why is it that it it doesn't benefit you when it's under those circumstances? Because you've already condemned yourself. So how do you get out of that? Lord, please, I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I ain't got myself back over in that box again. You understand what I'm saying? That box of disobedience, fear, condemnation, all that stuff. And it's not like you're not running around with nobody's husband or, you know, drinking all night or anything like that. But you're in a disobedience out of your heart. You have vowed to follow him and let his yoke, yoke yourself up with him. You're supposed to be going where he goes when he goes. Amen. And that's it. And so once we come out of that zone of resting God, amen, and the enemy disturbs us, you know, we, we have to understand this, this about, about what God wants. He has a plan already laid out for us. And he's got a schedule for that plan. Now, if he didn't have a schedule, he couldn't get anything done. So there are some times when some things are more urgent for us to get done and get accomplished. You understand? And he does not factor in time we waste in disobedience, condemnation, and all that. He expects us to, when we catch ourselves doing wrong, to confess it, get right back in to his rest where he can minister to us, talk to us. Our words are powerful words. We are going somewhere. He expects us to do it immediately. He's not up for you trying to make excuses for why you don't do what you're supposed to do. But that's a very common thing. You understand what I'm saying? It, just because it, it's common doesn't mean it's right. 
but he expects us immediately. When you catch yourself wrong, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Let me get back over here where I'm so, forgive me, Lord. Let me get back over here where I belong. Amen? So you violated his law of rest when you let the enemy come in and disturb you. Amen? And see, he'll keep picking at you. When he finds you, he can get something like that on you, on a saint, and can keep telling you, making you delay doing things. When you delay them, you feel bad and yada, yada. He'll work He'll work you over all day long like that. So you got to learn how to keep short accounts, as they say, with God. Don't let your fault list grow. Don't let it get long. Amen. Keep it short. Keep it non-existent. Let the blood eraser erase everything that would separate you from his love. See, once you know you're loved, you're in there. You understand what I'm saying? I mean love by God. I ain't talking about, listen, don't waste your time with people. I mean, I love people. I'm here to serve people. It's, you know, I'm all in for that. But if you think I'm looking for somebody to approve of me, Especially at my age, I'm too old to be looking for approval. That's why I don't put makeup and put a different selfie on my Facebook page every day. I'm going to say it again. That's why I don't have a different selfie on there, changed her profile picture. I don't like that one no better than I like the last one you had up there. You understand? And I'm not hitting like. So if you don't see it under, I know you can push that button and see who liked you. Quit doing that stuff. Grow up. Go after the one that really loves you. Amen. Get up in his face. Take another selfie with Jesus. Huh? Post it, let it, let him post that up there in, in heaven beside your name. Jesus, I'm taking a selfie with you. Reading my word. So faith, repentance and faith puts us back in God's rest. When we stumble out or veer out, let the enemy seduce us out. Faith puts us back into his rest. So we pick up where we left off. Nothing's changed. He's still holding your promises for you. He's still expecting you to receive what he has ordained for you on time. Don't ever think it's too late. There's no time in the spirit. Amen. Time is for earth. And if you're wasting it, then you repent. God will restore some things to you. There may be some things he can't get to you because of too too much age. But if you hold on in the right level of faith, those things will come to you. Look at Abraham and Sarah. Amen. God, they walked with God and God groomed them and helped them and taught them until they got it right. That time you see where 20 or so years that went from from the time Abraham left his family and followed God until Isaac was finally born, God was with them, teaching them, helping them, grooming them. Don't ever condemn somebody because it takes time for them to get what they need from God. That ain't your business. Take care of your stuff. 
You know, most people who are judging other people haven't even entered into the race yet. They just sit and watch it. It'll shock you how long people can watch believers do what they do, condemn and criticize them. Amen. And they never enter in themselves. Unbelievers standing on the outside of obedience and then watching everything. Look at Michael and, and uh, 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 David. David danced before the Lord with all, and they said, Michael watched him from a window. How come you wasn't down there praising God, sister? If you had been down there praising God too, you wouldn't have no room to criticize anybody. You'd be trying to get his dance steps down, Pat. Told him he didn't look like a king. You down there like all them base fellows. You know, worshiping God. The Bible says she was barren from that day forward. He just took her off the dance card. Huh? He go down the list. Let me see. Who was it? Uh, Abigail. Uh, uh, Beth, no, not Bathsheba yet. Who was his first wife? Oh, yeah, Michael. Cross off the list. Blacked out. Give me my mark, my Sharpie. Let me. Don't even know her address no more. Huh? I'm too base. <laughs> I'll show you base. Amen. So there's a penalty for being on the outside, looking at people on the inside and criticizing them. Huh? <laughs> hey, people think God's playing. You know, this ain't no game. You get to where you really need something from God and you see what it would take to get that thing into your life. And I mean the right way. And to remain there. You'll be very, very, um, uh, you know, circumspect. You'll be cautious. You'll understand you're on holy ground, reverent, respectful. I was telling Pastor Shirley, I said, I don't know about nobody else, but when I want something from God, I get real nice to everybody. Careful about my words, careful about, let, let me see if I can sow some. I'm very cautious to hear what people needs are. You understand that kind of stuff and see where to sow and where God's moving, where the help is needed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's not manipulation. Witches don't give to God. And they don't care nothing about God's people either. Can't manipulate God. He too smart for that. I could barely manipulate my husband. I say barely because I could twist him. If they love you, they'll let you twist their arm a little bit. Not a lot, ladies. Let's not get carried away. I felt that. All that excitement. Don't get excited. It's just a little bit of a privilege you might be afforded. Right. (laughs) So faith puts us back into God's rest where unbelief took Adam and Eve out of God's presence and out of his rest. Faith in Jesus puts us back in. So we we take his yoke upon us. We're glad to yoke up with Jesus. Don't ever see obedience to God as something to wiggle out of. Amen. Good gravy. Grow up. You know that you did that with your parents. And a lot of us parents, you know, they're just normal human beings. 
They should have been respected more than they were. Most of us know that once we get older. Amen. But faith puts us back into God's rest. So we pick up where Adam and Eve left off. Amen. He wants fellowship back with us. Not for him. God's not lonely. The where people get that kind of nonsense from. Well, he commanded, created man because he was, no, he wasn't lonely. Loneliness comes out of iniquity. There, God's holy. There's nothing wrong with him. People create babies because they're lonely. You understand what I'm saying? And God honors it. I mean, we have all kind of crazy motives, you know, when we do things. They should be created out of love and understanding responsibility of contributing to humanity. It's a privilege and an honor. Amen. To have children because that's God's inheritance. Amen. So then God favors and blesses you because you're cooperating with his plan. What happens to that child when you're not lonely anymore? So we labor to enter into his rest. We said you study, you pray, you develop your faith, and then his rest descends upon you. Resting means to be in him and allowing God's power working through you to do the work. And this is where, if we're not careful, we'll get restless, we'll get what's happening, we'll get curious, you know, if you're not accustomed to abiding with God and abiding in the rest of God. You'll think something's wrong because you're accustomed to being busy all the time. Well, go clean a dirty drawer out or organize some socks or go do some laundry. Better yet, come to your pastor's house and see if you... No, I'm messing with you. Don't come over there. Most of you would be shocked out of your mind from time to time. But you know what I'm saying. You know how to, to donate that attention that you have over into God, you know, and sow that into God. So when we rest in him, we allow God's power to do the work. And this is where Jesus begins to teach us discernment. How to know when he's moving us and how to know when we're just wanting to do that ourselves. So if we can stay in rest and in peace and allow him by unction, to to motivate us what to do next. Sometimes he just doesn't tell us anything yet. And we have to wait patiently for him to to get us lined up with the next thing that he wants us to do. So what do we do? Do what you normally do. Amen? I mean, that's holy. I ain't talking about anything. You know what I'm saying. For me, I have to stay off them uh bad people things. You know. I'll watch bad people stuff. I just have it on going over and over and over. It's it's all, you know, they repeat everything. You know, and I and when I get to the point where I said, Oh boy, him again. Well I told you <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And no, I said, I'll cut it off, go do something else. So you know, or with the the, the renovation people. You know, you sit up there and they, they we're going to do this house room by room. How many rooms? 30 rooms. And he's like, why are you looking at that? Barb, go read your word. Huh? <laughs> so, so you learn how to cut the carnality off. 
know what I'm saying? That same TV that plays you the stupid stuff plays YouTube videos. Amen. So you can watch those. It's just a matter of choice. So you choose to stay in the rest of God. You stay in his rest by doing the things that feed your spirit. Amen. If it's reading the word, if it's it's listening to good teachers. When I say good teachers, I mean pe- people that have the supernatural signs and wonders. And, and even better, who are empowering believers to do the same. Because that's the level where you live. You're not going to listen to somebody who tells you for the umpteenth time to clean your kitchen. I mean, I just use that as an example sometimes. I'm not going to tell y'all to clean up. Y'all know what to do. We ain't going to get into an argument about that either. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, but, or, or not to talk back to your husband. You know not to do that. That's not love. And so we, we're beyond that. You understand? At some point, like the Bible says, let us move on and not keep renewing the same foundation again. Good gravy. There's dying humanity out there waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. They're waiting for us to think about something other than us. What you going to eat, what you going to drink, what you going to wear. You're healed already. Amen. Just stay in faith with it. Look for God to give you the next, in, you know, the next revelation about it. To solidify that truth on the inside of you. You're not looking for revelation to get something quote unquote new. You're waiting for a nuance on what you already have. You're already healed. But you may need a, a little compartment added in here and there to make that sure to you. So the devil won't steal it. Amen. Because you can sit there and say, well, why haven't I got made any progress? And then the devil steals what you made. Because you're questioning what you don't have. But you have it because you're healed. That's why you got to talk to yourself. You know, I've Holy Ghost slapped myself many times with my mind wandering. I said, now how you get over there? Get back over here where you belong. Amen. I know y'all don't slap nobody. I don't care. I'll slap if I need to. <laughs> you need to come out of it. Amen. In our rest, we meditate on the word and commune with God. And we still confess the word by, by unction. Amen. You confess it when you, when the enemy starts picking at you about stuff. It's good to confess the word anyway. I just like listening to the word. Amen. It, it's soothing to you. Amen. But but don't get caught up in that if you don't do it so many times, you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's counting here. You want to stay in that zone of faith. We rest in assurance that the work is done and we open our hearts to receive the promised blessing. Amen. Persistent faith opens the door. Even with their giants standing around. If their adversaries are giants, just tell them, you ain't stopping me, but you can hide and watch, but I'm pimping right on through this door. You ain't stopping me. So if if giants are resisting us, your faith will overcome the giants. You just have to stand. Bible says, having done all, stand. Amen? So you know you have entered into your rest 
because there is a boldness and a confidence that comes to you. And religious people and wimpy people hate it. They'll be the first ones to flinch when you talk. That's how you locate where the enemy's hiding. Look at that. Just so arrogant. She thinks she go for bed. I do go for bed, devil. Amen. Better than you. I got more sense than you. I'm, I'm going to heaven. You got kicked out. Can't get in no more. Amen. I'm on my way. Amen. So when the rest comes upon you, you enter into that rest of God. You take on his confidence because now his character starts to take over. Not just the fruit of the spirit, but add to your faith virtue. Amen. And virtue, you add good works and confidence. You start to add to your faith. Makes you rock solid. Amen. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See? Because then you're convinced your labor in God is never in vain. Amen. When you're convinced of that, you'll continue to work and you'll continue to do what God wants you to do. Or I should say you'll continue to rest and do your labors of faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you have done for us today. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with confidence in your word. Thank you, word, that, Lord, your word is holy. It's without blame. It's irreplaceable, Father. There's no replacement for your word. Your word works all the time. Your word is full of power. It's full of faith. It's full of every confidence and every boldness that we need that we might be able to carry through your your uh, your instructions, your mandates, your commandments, everything that you're expecting us to do, Father, we can do because we've entered into your holy rest. There's no problems in your rest. There's no lack in your rest. There's nothing wrong in the rest of God. Is that perfect environment for our spirits to grow. So, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to enter into that holy rest. We thank you, Lord, for our fellowship after our service. Bless our bread and our water. Take sickness from the midst of us. Let us rest in the presence of one another, Lord. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.